You may be seated. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. How many guys know it's going to be a good day in church when the preacher says, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2? It's going to be good stuff. Amen. We're going to pick up where we left off a couple of weeks ago. And a new series entitled Positions of the Prosperous, which that may be a, a different look for you. Oh, look, it's a magic carpet. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Um, so uh, this is what happened. Remember we talked about the worst thing anybody had ever done. Give us Barabbas. We have no king but Caesar. Crucify him. Crucify him. Fifty days later, the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up, filled with the Holy Spirit, says, this same Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ. I say, brothers, what should we do? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So 3,000 souls in one day make this decision. They were saved by grace. In other words, the grace, the gift of salvation came. They trusted that grace through faith. They believed that God was just that good, that he had just, like through Jesus, had actually done that. They trusted him by grace, through faith. They were baptized in water. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, just like Matthew 28, 18, and 19 uh, talks about. And, and then this next question kind of comes up. So I've had this experience. I've been born again. I've been baptized in water. I've repented. The worst things I've ever done are gone. They're, I'm not known in heaven by what I've done. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When, when God the Father looks at me, he sees me in Christ, and he chooses to see Jesus, not me. He chooses to see his righteousness. So before we read what happens next, um, I, I want to talk about this, because lately I've been thinking about these two words, happy versus blessed. It looks like, a, like the dwarves are suing each other, doesn't it? Like the, the seven dwarves have a lawsuit. Happy be blessed. The, the, there's a, there's a, a simple thought that, that happiness should be some sort of a goal, that, that as I look at my 2019, as I look at my day, as I look at my life, my business, my marriage, my friendships, that one of the key questions I should ask is, does this make me, come on, does this make me happy, okay? So I'm, I'm concerned because I think happy can lead us logically uh, emotionally to a place that God cannot bless. Are you still here? I, there, there's a certain worldly logic that says God is love, true or false. Okay, love is blind, true or false. Stevie Wonder is God. You see what I'm saying? Like, how, how did you get to Stevie Wonder's God? Well, it's simple. I just said God is love, love is blind, Stevie Wonder's blind, therefore you go, no, 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 it's, he's good, but he ain't God, right? So doing something that makes us happy seems to be the leading cause of our unhappiness. The leading cause of our unhappiness is something that we went after because we thought it would make us happy. It seemed like a, a shortcut. It seemed like a good step. It seemed like the right thing to do. The biggest mistakes I've ever seen people make come after sentences like this. I wasn't happy, so I... Oh, no. <laughs> There's another one. God doesn't want me to be unhappy... Because obviously Jesus died to make us happy. I, I'm sorry. I'm rubbing my head because one of my greatest frustrations is the idolatry that we believe that God exists for our pleasure rather than we exist for his glory. There is such a vast separation between those two thoughts. Uh, this is the time of year where it goes, hey, your, your, your best year. I, I see so many things coming to me by all the motivational speakers, not, not Christian, just motivational speakers, how to design the life you've always dreamed of, how to become a millionaire by raising mink in your bathtub, how to, you know, and there's always pictures of somebody skiing in Vail and helicoptering their private helicopter, and is helicoptering a word? I don't think it is. So they're, but they, this is their, their life that they have. Listen, I'm, I'm all for being happy, but not at the expense of being blessed. 
If you're blessed, you end up happy. If you're happy, I don't know where you end up. I have nothing against happiness. Everybody say amen. How many of you guys like being happy? But a temporary happiness that builds within it a, a curse, an, an eternity, a, a vast mistake. I, I, I wasn't happy. And God wants me to be happy, so I heard this one. Doesn't it matter that this makes me happy? I, I've talked to people. I can't say the number of times. Like, well, I'm sorry, but this makes me happy. Doesn't it matter that this makes me happy? It's like, no. <laughs> Come on. It really doesn't. Listen, if your kid comes to you, and they're soaking wet because they went and they turned your toilet into a jacuzzi, but it makes them happy. As a parent, you don't care that it makes them happy. You have a perspective that, that it's not a flushable jacuzzi, it's a toilet. And as a pastor, I watch people jump into these flushable jacuzzis of life, and I go, listen, I don't care that it makes you happy. The end, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is... Death. It seemed right. It literally seems logical. It seems right. It's, I've, I've watched people justify absolute blatant disobedience to God, to Scripture, to family, to friends, to fellowship, and the reason is because it made them happy. I, I want to be very clear. Happiness is never going to be your goal if you're going to find Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross very unhappy about it. He's sweating drops of blood Either his blood pressure is so high that capillaries are bursting or the, the drops of sweat, perspiration that was coming off him because of the stress, it didn't look like perspiration. It looked like, dry, like he was bleeding. Right? We're not quite sure what that language means. But either way, he's not like, it's cool. I'm glad to do this. Now, Jesus loves us, but let's not, let's not make light of the pain, of the separation, of the weight of sin. Jesus did a lot of things that didn't make him happy so you could be blessed. And we're going to do a lot of things that might not make us happy in the short run that lead to blessing as well. Blessed is greater than happy. There's a new book, right? Blessed is greater than happy. So what's the difference? Well, this is really the key difference. Happy is conditional. I had a new car. That makes me happy. Six months later, my car's dirty. That makes me unhappy. It's the same car. It's just one's got a dent and one smells like plastic and formaldehyde and one smells like, you know, old french fries because you have small kids, Right? It's conditional. Blessed is not conditional, it's positional. It, it's where you stand, not the condition of what your surroundings are when you're standing there. Understand this, Paul and Silas are as blessed in prison as they are in palaces. Why are they worshiping in the middle of the night? Because Jesus is still God no matter what. Why were they delivered from prison that night? Because there was something that said, we need to position ourselves where we know God is. And they found that place of worship in the middle of the night, in the middle of their pain, in the middle of their worst night, in the middle of a prison, in the middle of physical and emotional agony. They said, we've just got to find Jesus because we know that's where the blessings are. Did it make them happy to be there? No. It's funny, you watch the progression of Paul when he's first you know, taken captive and beaten Philippi, Acts chapter 16. He, he doesn't say anything about it until the next day. and goes, hey, we're Roman citizens. Like, oh, so sorry. The next time they're getting ready to beat him, he says, hey, before you beat me, I'm a Roman citizen. How many guys know he, it didn't make him happy? He's like, if I'm going to invoke authority afterwards, I bear the scars of Christ. It's, it's my glory to carry the shame, if you will, the, dis, uh, the dis, uh, taste, the scorn of the world. But I, I don't want to get beat again because it's just way too inconvenient in my schedule. So let's just do this. Before you beat me, 
know that I'm a Roman citizen. He changes. Positional. What's the position of blessing? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. You ask an Orthodox Jew, where do we find the blessings of God? They're going to take you to Deuteronomy chapter 28, and we should as well. It says this, if you obey all the commands I give you this day, and you carefully, closely follow everything I say to you, all these blessings will come on you. All these blessings will come on you. It's almost reminiscent of, of like Psalms 23, verse 6. Goodness and mercy will follow you. All the days, they're going to sneak up on you and they're going to attack you from behind. How many of you guys know that if goodness and mercy is following you, you don't know it's coming until it hits you? Like if it's in front of you, you're walking towards it. If it's behind you, it sneaks up behind you and tackles you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the same way, all these blessings will come on you. Now, the word blessing is the word barach. It's a Hebrew word. Um, it basically means this. And it's weird. It means to assume a position of kneeling. And you say, well, why, why would all these blessings, why would kneeling, and, and if you obey all these, then you'll kneel. That doesn't make sense. So it's translated the word blessing, and this is why. It, it's a little bit hard for our system because we don't kneel. Maybe if you're Catholic, uh, you kneel. Maybe you're, on your wedding day, you might have knelt or something like that so people could pray over you. But by and large, we don't, we don't kneel during an impartation. It's just not part of the American culture. But if you go back to William Wallace, in Braveheart, or William Thatcher in A Knight's Tale. How many of you guys are still with me? How many of you guys like it when I refer to the book of Hollywood, chapter 3, verse 2? So you, I know that one. I don't know. That's why I know that one. Okay. Remember when they were knighted, they knelt. They knelt, and someone with authority and a sword took their authority and that sword. They placed it upon one shoulder, up and over their head, and down on the other shoulder. They knelt a man. They stood a knight. Does that make sense? Something was given to them in that kneeling posture that changed who they were. And all these blessings will come upon you if your posture is such that the blessings of God are yours. We, we need to stay in a posture, in a position where God's blessings are. God's blessings aren't everywhere. And God's blessings aren't in everything. God's blessings have very specific parameters. There will always be a blessing in certain places. We're promised. You read the book of Revelation. It says, blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy. Well, what does that mean? It means everybody who reads the book of Revelation has a blessing that comes specifically from those words. Every time you read the book of Revelation, guess what? You're blessed. It says those who pray in tongues edify themselves. What's that mean? Well, it means those who pray in the Holy Spirit, those who pray in unknown language during their prayer time. There's this blessing that comes upon them in that time. There's certain places where we know God's blessings are waiting for us. It's up to us not to say, come here, come here, come here. It's up to us to go to where God has already placed his blessing. Does this make sense? So your position and your posture have everything to do with your blessing. Your position and your posture have everything to do with your happiness, but this is temporary and this is forever. God has a blessing for his kids. How many of you guys believe that? This isn't, you know, performance that brings blessing. This is position that brings blessing. And you have to hear that because some guys, you need... You need to be blessed with the mercy of God. And the last thing we do when we're, when we're wrong before God, it seems like the last thing we do is come to him. But I'm telling you, if you're not right with God, the place you need to be is in his presence, getting right with him. Not running from him, but running, running to him. Let's get back to those 3,000 people that just got saved, all right? This is what they did. This is the posture. This is the position that they assumed. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. One of, one of the great churches in our area is, is called 242. How many of you guys ever heard of 242 down in Brighton? I love that the name of the church and the vision for the apostles' 
is, is right there in the same name. I think that's a brilliant. I, if we weren't called Freedom Center Church, I, I, we'd be called something other than 242 because they stole it before we got to it. But I'm saying it's a great name for it. So where do they position themselves? How do they bow? Listen, they position themselves under God's blessings, but on some things. So under God's blessing, under the sword of the king, under the authority, but on top of some things as well. They posture themselves under apostolic teaching. Um, why? Uh, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says that all scripture is God-breathed. It's, it's this, what's called the theonousos. It's and, and you inhale that. When the apostles were teaching, they were exhaling the words of another world. And they said, we want to be here for this. So they, they postured themselves where those words were being taught. They devoted themselves. And understand this. They didn't attend from time to time. There was a devotion to inhale what heaven was exhaling through the apostles. Now, here's the good news. There's still a lot of apostolic teaching. Open the Bible to the book of just about anything, and there is apostolic teaching waiting for you. They weren't interested in Oprah's book of the month. They were interested in what had God said. What did God put down on, on paper? What was in bedrock? What was the logos? What was the rhema? What, had, what revelation has heaven sent to earth that's been recorded by the, the hands of holy men as God gave the spirit for them to write it down? We want to know the breath of God. They devoted themselves to apostolic teaching. Second position they took is they've devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now, it doesn't mean they, they had a potluck once a month. It means there was a devotion to you and a devotion from you. There was a devotion to us, there was a devotion to them, but there was a different devotion to us. There, there's a, those who've been called out of and into light, those who'd left something for Christ joined together, although many of them had nothing in common but Jesus. They didn't speak the same second language, they, they didn't have the same culture, their kids didn't play the same games, some people blew their news, wiped it, and then looked at it, some people just went, you know what I mean? There's different cultures all over the map, but somehow Jesus was enough to get over all of it. Are you still here? They devoted themselves to the fellowship. This is important, they said. We devote ourselves to the, the inhaling, the exhaling presence of God. We devote ourselves to doing it together. This is important. Thirdly, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And you said, is that communion or is that a meal? I, I've never heard a good explanation, but let's say either way, here's the commonality. They had to get together in a group that was small enough to facilitate it, which means their kids were playing with each other. And there was the smells of family, and there was the, the sound of family, and there was the interaction of family. Some people ticked other people off. Don't kid yourself. It's not like, oh, I love you, you love me. We're a totally dysfunctional family. <laughs> How many of you guys just finished Christmas? Let's not sing that song anymore, right? But there was this, there was this sense of awe oh, that somehow this thing works. Because God's love is greater than what separates us. Breaking bread. There, there were smells and sights and sights. There was family. They did what family did. Some people brought cookies from Mesopotamia and said, these are the cookies of Mesopotamia. Some people brought cookies from Italy and said, our cannolis are better than your cookies from Mesopotamia. And they began to share culture. And, and the best of everybody, they brought it together. And, and when it was together, it wasn't this one-dimensional cultural soup it was this beautiful stew of humanity saved by grace. Are you guys, are you getting this today? There's something different about this. They devoted themselves to apostolic teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Together they carried the impossible burdens to a God who does the impossible. Together they went through the persecution where their elders 
were arrested and flogged and then were brought back bleeding and bruised but rejoicing that they'd suffered shame because of the name of Christ. I want to show you something, guys. And, and I, I know that I'm almost out of time. I only have about 20 more minutes left, so I'll be very careful. to. It's not, it's not 2019 yet. My New Year's resolution. This is still the old year. Get used to it. Last time, all right? So let, let me show you where the blessings of God are hidden. Pastor Kyle, you just got up and left because I'm preaching another 20 minutes. Is that what happened? I saw somebody leave. Okay. You need to be shorter. I wouldn't notice you. Psalms chapter 92, verses 12 and 13. Look at this. The righteous will flourish. Everybody say flourish. Like a palm tree. They'll, they'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Where? Planted where? In the... Come on. Planted in the... They will flourish in the courts of our God. I like the word flourish. This is what it means. It means to grow, thrive, prosper, do well, increase, multiply, be in good health, be successful, be vigorous, and develop rapidly. Flourish is in flower, to bloom, to, to, to go from something simple to something gorgeous, something with no fragrance to something that fills a room with fragrance. It's the righteous planted in the house of the Lord will prosper. Now, now, don't get me wrong. This building's not the house of the Lord. You guys know that, right? This isn't the church you are, but you are the church. There's something that happens when we say coming together is important to us. Let me show you this again. Look in Psalms chapter 133. This is that, that blessing, how good and pleasant it is when people live together in unity, when, when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil. This is the, the picture of someone being anointed, the, the the, the oil representing the Holy Spirit, like, like presence of oil, like, like oil on Aaron's head, the first high priest before God. It's like, this is like some old anointing. This is the most powerful priestly anointing, the high priesthood. It's, when people come together that love Jesus and love each other, there's a place where God's blessing exists. How many of you guys have ever been in that place? How many of you guys have ever been outside of that place, but you still call it a church? The worst feeling in the world is relational tension in the house of God in the body of Christ. Are you, has you ever been there? Church splits and divisions and gossips and factions. And this is why when we're talking about sin and Galatians and righteousness and Ephesians, it talks about, you know, the, these important things like, like you know, it talks about the, the, the deeds of the sinful nature are obvious. It's like orgies and factions and witchcraft. You go, wait a minute. Why is gossip, slander, and factions between orgies and witchcraft? How many guys know some things don't seem as big as other things? Like, if you see some people stand on the four-way whispering to each other, pointing and going, oh. I mean, that's, that's something we shouldn't see in the four-way of the church. But you walk out, and like someone's like laying in a pentagram made out of goat's blood, burning candles to Satan. Like, that would stand out more, right? And don't make me give an example about orgies. I'm just simply saying this. There's like, big one, big one. And did you hear about Betty Lou? No. What? Oh, she said, oh, I, you know, she always said never. By the way, that was a man's voice, not a woman's voice. So you're like, he's talking about women. Like, no, no. Why? Because when, when unity is broken, God's blessing ceases to exist in the fellowship. When we don't come together, we're missing something that only happens when we come together. When we're not in proximity to share our struggles, share our faith, share our trials, share our victories, we, we miss something. God has a place for us in fellowship, in apostolic teaching, in eating meals together and praying with and for one another. The body of Christ, this is where God commands. It's as if the dew of Hermon, I know who Hermon is, but it's weird, all right? For there the Lord, for where? For there, where? Where people dwell together, God's people dwell together in unity, it is there the Lord bestows his blessing. 
If you want to know where God's blessing is, it's where people that love Jesus and love each other gather together. This is the blessings of the Lord. Back to that thought, happy versus blessed. Let me just say this. I've had the better part of a week off. Can I tell you something? Sleeping in makes me happy. But it, it doesn't necessarily make me blessed. I had days of sleeping and I had days that I was rested. I got up early and I grabbed my Bible and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the two Bs, right? The Bible and the bulldog, just, you know, out on the couch. I put a blanket on my lap. That's her invitation to come jump up. 80 pounds of bulldog, bang. Now you're there until she gets up because you can't move her when she's sleeping. I open my Bible and I'm studying and God's speaking to my heart. Now, how many of us know sleeping in is a good thing? There's one day out of seven that's a Sabbath day of rest. You should be resting. You should sleep until you don't want to sleep anymore. One amen. Okay, good. I just like, this should be a, like, you should be amening this, right? But there's these other days where the blessing is not in rest. One in seven, the blessing's on rest. But six out of seven, the blessing's on, on other sorts of activity. So I study alone, but then I, I take what I learned. I told my wife, I just kind of got this in the word this morning. And now it's not just my blessing, it's our blessing, and the blessing's growing. And then I stand up on Sunday morning, I've been thinking a lot about happy versus blessed. And, and now the blessing isn't my blessing on the couch, it's our blessing to share. Does this make sense? So the blessing started with being alone with God, but it doesn't end there. I don't know where it ends. Hopefully it, it doesn't end. Hopefully it goes on. I know that, and, and I'm just going to look right in the camera. So live stream people, give me this shot right here. Okay? I know that staying home is more convenient than coming here. And, and certainly you can get great apostolic teaching from that thing you're looking at right now. But that's only one-fourth of what's talked about. It's not how good and blessed and pleasant it is when brothers watch the same show. There's something different that happens when we come together to worship, when we come together to pray, when we come together to grow. When I share who I am with who you are and something that looks like Jesus is produced from that interaction. When I share my needs and you have what I, what I need. When I share my strengths and you have needs that my, my strengths match. How many of you guys know something different happens when we come together than when we just watch something on television? You can put your hand on the screen and pray for me right now. I'm not saying God can't move through, you know, time and space, but I am saying this. It's different when you put your... We just prayed over people to be installed in a pastoral ministry. And if you watched it on TV, maybe you prayed along. But if you were here, you got to touch these people. Does this make sense? There's, there's something different. And, and I have a concern. I am not anti-live stream. But I am anti-isolation. Yeah, but our, our kids are at that age. Your, your kids got to learn sometime. Yeah, but Billy had the sniffles. Then you should bring them to the front for prayer at the end of service. Because that's what Scripture says. That is any among you sick, they should call the elders, anoint them with oil, and prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. I get staying home. I get not sharing Billy's flu with everybody. I get all that. But you got to get this. There are certain things that need to happen in the body of Christ. They need to happen when we come together. If you fall in the habit of not coming here, not being a part of a life group, not being, I've had people say, I, you know, I just, I just kind of left the church a year ago. And I, like, I literally said this to somebody last week. I shouldn't have. So I apologize. And if you're watching right now, which I strongly doubt, but if you hear about this through, you know, Facebook, let me just say this, because all good things are passed on Facebook quickly. Speaking of the flu, they said, I don't go to the church anymore. I said, actually, you never did. So said, no, I used to go to the church. No, you didn't. You attended Sunday once or twice a month. 
but you are never a part of the church. Well, church doesn't work for me. I, I, you haven't even tried church yet. You came to a service, and when it went over an hour, you looked at your watch, leaned over to your wife, and said, is he ever going to shut up? But you never got involved in a group. You never connected with the people around you. You never gave away who you were in any meaningful sense. You never received from the people around you. Friend, you went to a service, but you never joined a church. Now, if you want to come back and join the church, I promise you God moves in his church. I promise you God moves through his church. But you attended a service. I can go see the Grinch, but it doesn't change my life. I can find which one appeals to me and what my favorite actor is, who's my favorite movie star, who my favorite singer is, and listen to their music or watch their movies. But that's... The church is more than we think it is. Coming to church. I mean, you guys know this. It's very different than, than what it takes to be the church. Iron has to sharpen iron. We got to know each other. You got to get in a group. We'll talk about it a lot next week. And there's a reason for it. Now, like, this isn't you should, you should. It's like, why? Why should you? What's in these groups that you have to give that you need to receive? We need to, listen, if I got one prayer for you in 2019, be the church. Don't go to church. Like I, I'm going to try to say this the right way. Probably shouldn't say this at all. And here it comes. So, so listen, all right? In some ways, there, I just softened it. In some ways, I wish some of you would stop coming to church once a month. I wish some of you would just turn off live stream. It, it seems like it's just enough to keep us alive but it's not enough to prosper our souls. It's not enough to prosper our marriage. It's not enough to prosper our families. And when it, this, this, this anemic sipping versus this prolific feasting, when, when we sip, we feel so weak. And then we go, well, I tried, and it just didn't work. You haven't even tried it yet. Does this make sense? I don't know where we got so busy, but we need to knock it off. Because some things are more important than Billy's soccer career at five. I don't know where we got so busy. I don't know where we lost our faith that people don't get healed on our altars. So we just stay home when we're sick rather than coming. I don't care if you skip the whole service. Bring your kids to church and have elders anoint them and pray for them. I, I, don't, I don't care if you hate each other. Come to this altar and have people pray over your marriage if it's in trouble. What I'm saying is simply this. There's a purpose for the church. And it's not to be enjoyed from a distance that makes me happy. It's to be engaged intimately, and sometimes it's the most miserable thing in the world, but it is what God is blessing. There, I will pour out my blessing. There, I will pour out my blessing. There, I will pour out my blessing. Stand to your feet all over this room. I just know when Pastor Kyle comes to the piano, it's his way of saying, time's out, man. Wrap it up. Land the plane. Father, I pray that uh, we won't leave this place being rebuked by man, but being challenged by your spirit to move into what you call the church. We need friends. We need people that know us well enough to know when we're lying. We need accountability. We need love. We need a place where we can fail and still be loved by the community around us. We need a place to grow. We need a place to give away everything we've learned, the testimonies of our life to affect those we're going through what we once went through. We need each other, and we're so busy, 
and we avoid each other and we look for what makes us happy and what's convenient and what, what's expedient. God, let us, let us just lose the pursuit of happiness for the pursuit of blessing. Your blessing, one of these positions over these three weeks we're talking about, the body of Christ will always be blessed, though those in it will not always be happy in the moments. We have all eternity to rejoice. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're not right with God, before you leave this room, there is a way that you can leave here knowing that things are good between you and God. Remember I told you the worst thing that ever done, they shouted crucify him about Jesus. 50 days later, brothers, what are we going to do? Just said, repent. Repent and be baptized. It's something that happens on the inside and something that begins to happen on the outside. That's what you need. You need to recognize that, that Jesus, what he did, God the Father, who he is, is just so good that he's good enough for you too. His goodness can extend to your life. What Jesus did can extend to overlap, to cleanse, to, to shield. You can be inside, like I would hide inside of something and I wouldn't be seen anymore. We can hide ourselves by trusting God and what he did through Jesus. We can hide ourselves in Jesus so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our past. He sees the glory of our eternity in Jesus, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray if there's anybody here today that needs that, let today be the day. The last Sunday of 2018 might have been the worst year of their life. Let this be the best day of their life now. You're not right with God, but you want to be. In your own way, in your own words. Tell them right now, God, I'm sorry. Wash away 2018. My failures, my fears. Wash away bad priorities. Wash away. Now, I, I see what Jim's saying. And I, God, I pray, forgive me and give me a clean slate and a fresh start. Those of us, we just need to re-engage in the body of Christ. Been wet, too busy, too long. Bad habits, I get it. This world's drawing on your seconds, on your minutes, on your hours, on your days. I get it. But what is first is it belongs to God. It's blessed. There I will bestow my blessing. And even life evermore, God says. Father, I pray. I thank you for giving us right hearts. By the time we leave this room, knowing that we're forgiven, repent. Be baptized, and then what? You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be a witness to the ends of the earth. Thank you for your blessing, God. We receive it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Do not leave. Altar workers, those who have a ministry of prayer among us, are now coming forward. As they come forward, remember this. Scripture says, and guys, we've got to activate this. I mean, I know if God said it, it's probably what he meant. Like if he, it's not me saying, hey, God's going to do something. It's God saying, hey, I'm going to do something. He, he's got to perform it. I just get to repeat it. If you're here today, you need prayer for anything. You're not feeling good. You got a hitch in your gay up. You get, you know, facing knee replacement or the flu or whatever. I trust that these people have a ministry of prayer. Or like you're like, hey, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like I, I want more of God. I want to be filled with his power. Like that's this way. They will pray with you until God answers that prayer. Amen. Live long and prosper. God bless you. I will see you guys probably like next year. So, you're dismissed. Need prayer this way? You got what you need? Head that way. If we haven't met yet, I'd love to meet you back in the guest room. I'll hang out for a little while, hear your story. You are.